0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings in one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-hosts, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on March 8th, 2021. Everyone likes to hear that they were right. And when you and I recorded our last episode of Marvelous Disney on, on Monday, February 25th, at that time, you floated the idea that maybe, well, with all the Marvel-related news that was coming, I think you were talking about how you looked over the schedule and it was like there was a new Marvel thing coming out virtually every week,
1: right? Every stinking week. Okay. And it's like, why not do a show every week? Because with WandaVision, Division, always felt like there was a week that we were missing. Mm-hmm. When, you know, It's like, I want to talk about this show. Why do I have to wait another week to talk about this show? <laughs> and the, the, the thing is that,
0: that my argument to, to Aaron was, well, look, WandaVision is wrapping its, its nine-episode run on March 5th, and then Winter Soldier doesn't get started till the 19th of this month. So to my way of thinking, no reason to shift the podcast from its current twice-a-month schedule to, to a new episode every week. I mean, what could Aaron and I possibly talk about with that many shows? That's February 22nd, and then on February 24th, that was the day that Tom Holland, uh, they they posted that video on Instagram where he finally revealed the the name of Spider-Man 3. Uh, Did anybody in the pool have no way home? Nope. Ah, geez. Okay. But anyway, on this same day, Kevin Feige, president of Marvel Studios, he appears at the Winter 2001 Television Critics Association Winter Tour. Kevin appears in front of the TCA as part of the Disney Plus panel and he talked about how some of the limited series at Marvel that are being created for the subscription streaming services might have multiple seasons while some others would just be one shots. He also talked about a possible reboot of it. Jessica Jones uh, gave an update on Deadpool three. And then February 24th is also the day that we learned that Marvel comics would be uh, teaming with Def jam to make a series of black Panther inspired short stories. So And all of this news broke in one single eight-hour span. And then, of course, on Friday, episode eight of WandaVision, entitled previously on, debuts on Disney+. And so many people try to download this episode at the exact same time. Did you see where the subscription service actually had
1: temporary outages? Wasn't happening for me. Wasn't my problem. Didn't hear about it. Didn't care. Mine streamed smooth as butter.
0: Okay, well, I watched it later in the day myself, and I only found out about the mid credit scene by reading social media later. I, you know, It was one of these things where I was like, oh, missed that, got to go back. Long story short, Mr. Adams was right, and I was wrong. There's so much Marvel-related news that maybe Aaron and really should think about doing the uh, new episodes of this podcast every week from now on, so we'll talk more about that off-air and we'll let you know, folks. Uh, before we get to the news, the news portion of today's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Gmail Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. I'm quite serious about what I was saying in the front part of the show today. It's really, this last two weeks, it's really been tough to stay on top of what's been going on in the Marvel Universe. Likewise, uh, WandaVision and, and mm-hmm. Really want to give that show its due, but at the same time, I assume that there are people out there like like the lovely Nancy who haven't watched a single episode of this show yet. And for those folks who haven't either haven't watched any of them or still have a few to get to, I don't necessarily want to spoil things for you. So how about this, Aaron? We'll we'll talk in depth, Wanda. On the second half of the show and people who, you know, want to remain spoiler-freak and bail out after the news, Does that work for you? Or Nope,
1: don't like that
0: at all. I boycott it. Well, okay, <laughs> then. You're going to love this next segment where I immediately go back on my word. Okay. Um, because I, I want to point out that on our last episode, uh-huh. we actually listed the, the various sitcoms that supposedly inspired the WandaVision episodes, and did you see in episode eight, there was a moment where Wanda's dad was in the apartment and opened a suitcase, and we got to see all DVDs of all these sitcoms that he's supposedly selling on the street, and Dick Van Dyke, uh, Bewitched, Adam's Family, Malcolm in the Middle, which I, I think are were shows you and I actually referenced. Um, sure. But there were also a couple of shows in there that we didn't name, like I Dream of Jeannie and Who's the Boss, which I, I thought were kind of intriguing. Also, you, you did a, a, a wonderful a little bit of audio on the last show where you you demonstrated how it was Agatha all along. It paid tribute its to. Hat to oh. yeah,
1: yeah, paid tribute to or tipped its hat to uh, mm-hmm. another thing without actually using any of the music from that thing, just using mm-hmm. the, the voicing, the instruments that are chosen.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, it had the flavor of the Munsters without actually being the Munsters theme song. Mm-hmm. But then I want to say it was just a day or so after that you sent me a link to an amazing YouTube video that that kind of laid out there was so much more going on here. Do you, do you do you want to talk about what that video revealed? Or
1: yeah, if if you're a music theory nut, you probably gathered this all on your very own. The people that don't know anything about music should go and watch the video because what you see is a pattern on a keyboard, and that pattern doesn't change. And then they show you that song one from episode one uses these four distinct notes in a certain order. It's the Mm WandaVision. Those four notes uh, are used over and over and over again. So every musical motif that they do, they use these four notes sometimes in different order, which is fine; they're not breaking any rules. Uh, but by the time you get to it was Agatha all along. It's really hitting these four notes as the big, you know, uh, backbone of mm-hmm. of the music. And it's really great to go to this link on YouTube. Jim will have it posted in the show notes, I'm sure, so that you can follow there and and look at how these notes keep recurring all the way along. So by the time you do get to Agatha all along. The, the pump has been primed. You are ready to accept this music as part of your soul now. <laughs> and, and yeah, so the other thing that's very interesting to musicians is that it's also the devil's interval is the four notes that they're using.
0: Really? That's yeah. what it's called?
1: <laughs> yes. And in, in the olden day, I think we mm. only had like 11 notes and mm-hmm. it created this horrible, horrible chord in music theory. Mm-hmm. And they went, oh, 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 this is the sound of the devil. Oh, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And so they added a 12th note to the scale to create our current modern music theory. And it, uh, it got rid of the devil's interval. So anyway, it's this thing that rarely appears. And it's just a, a horrible uh, combination of notes. But you go go study your music theory to find out why that works and how that works. Don't listen to to me about it. It's It's very interesting, but it's very, very complex. And I'm certain I got at least half of that wrong for some no, technical no, no, reason. No,
0: no, no, And Again, I, I enjoyed it, you know, when you sent along the link and, you know, it, it, again, it was one that gave me that much more appreciation of the the craft behind this limited series at Marvel Studios. And speaking of which, if mm-hmm. you, you want to learn more about how WandaVision was put together on this Friday, March 12th, assembled the making of wandavision debuts on disney plus and, and while we're assigning you homework here it's also worth noting that out ahead of the march 19th debut of uh falcon and the winter soldier on disney plus the, the series that i didn't you actually call this series previously on or, or the legends yeah series? what was your pet name for
1: it previously on mcu
0: there we go all right well uh, that just this past Friday, the Legends episodes uh, about the two title characters, Falcon the Winter Soldier, they became available for downloading. And the interesting part is this coming Friday, March 12th, we'll get two additional uh, Legends episodes uh, one about Baron Zemo and then Agent Sharon Carter. So I like these because I'm old. In fact, I turned 62 this Friday. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes, I'm increasingly elderly. If you cut my arm and cut the rings, you can get the actual age. But I like it's kind of the Cliff Notes edition. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. I I forgot Sharon Carter is actually... Agent Peggy Carter's niece, right? Correct. Yeah. There we go. So
1: I wonder if that ever came up, by the way, in uh, the ends of Endgame. It mm-hmm. shows Peggy and uh, Captain Steve Rogers mm-hmm. dancing, finally, after long last. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you think it ever came up over all those many years before he got to be an old man and go give his shield away to the Falcon... You think you ever said, by the way, I once magged out with your niece? <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: okay. You know, the, the, uh, what is her name from Doctor Strange, the Ancient One? Remember when she was on the rooftop and was explaining to the Hulk, Bruce Banner, about the multiple timelines and that sort of thing? I, uh-huh. I'm kind of hoping that, that that was a timeline that didn't get explored. Okay. A couple other things here. Just today, if you want to take a closer look at these characters, uh, Marvel just put out four brand new character posters. Also, at the same time, I think you know they're kind of trying to rein in expectations for uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They've been uh, well, I, as in, it's not going to be nine episodes. This is a smaller series. This is
1: six episodes. Mm, shenanigans. Yeah, that's Go. right. Shenanigans been called. Eh. Are they longer episodes? Well, that's my understanding. In fact, it's interesting you
0: bring that up because WandaVision, for the most part, kept its episodes in sort of classic sitcom format. Mm -hmm. I want to say six of them were anywhere from 30 minutes to like 35. Mm -hmm. Uh, They all felt
1: like 20. I mean, if, if you're counting the credits, that's where we have to have that discussion all over because episodes one and two are 20 minutes, like on the button with Mm -hmm. a good 10, you know, 11 minutes of credits. Mm -hmm. And so when, when I would get up in the wee hours of the morning and I'd be like, oh, look at this feast of Wanda. And then it was mm -hmm. only actually two thirds of the runtime. Like, oh, come on now.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, then again, and that, that's you coming out of the broadcasting world and a sitcom, these days especially, is what, only 22 minutes? Because, you know, you, sure. you you have to have those eight minutes for credits and selling ads and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think we'll have to go back and do that. We'll have to go back because, face it, you know, the, the credits for for WandaVision were impressive, you know. And oh, I, I, I
1: love the pixel look and all that. It's yeah, just...
0: but at the same time, it, 10 or 15 minutes,
1: you know, when you're on a cable TV watching a movie and they've only got about 30 seconds to jump to the next movie and they show the very rapid credits that oh, zoom on by, yeah. I think at some point they could switch to that mode and go, oh, by the way, and also these people.
0: Yeah, I just so many friends who work in animation, and whenever, you know, for example, I'm watching Freeform and they do that where they, you know, the film ends and then it's like, you know, they, they blipvert the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's kind of a heartbreaker because. Wow, that's four and a half years of their someone's life, and you know and the credits go by. You know, in, in that tiny little box in the, the corner. And yeah, Jim, you know, but
1: that's also tune-out time for the audience. As soon as this, I see like a black screen and credits, and it looks like it's going to be six minutes of credits, I mean, I, I've tuned no, in no, another no. network. So, I mean, the reality is they have to do this to keep the audience. Now, if you're in a theater, mm-hmm. you've got the captive audience, and streaming-wise, because they're not doing. Uh, here's the whole batch. Just go ahead and plow through it, and everybody would end up skipping the credits. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for anybody to not, you know, sit there and zone out to them and enjoy the the beauty of them.
0: All of what you're saying is valid. It just, I feel for the, you know, you know the. Oh, they worked the, hard. The,
1: they deserve the credit. Sure, absolutely.
0: Yeah, you know that, especially you know, you know when you have a parent at home and it's like, I, I want want this to see your name, and it's like, well, buy the DVD. We talked a moment ago about the Winter 2021 Critics Association event, and up until just recently, the assumption was WandaVision was a one and done, a limited series. Kevin's been very, very upfront about how WandaVision is supposed to set up the story for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is still, by the way, it's supposed to come out in theaters March 25th, 2022. But at this event, Kevin revealed that other limited series by Marvel Studios may get a season two or even a season three. Here's the quote. The fun of the MCU is obviously all the crossovers we can do between series and between films, but it's all based on story. Sometimes this will involve going into a season two, Sometimes it will involve starting a story as part of one limited series, then continuing that story as part of a feature meant for theatrical release, and then concluding that story as part of yet another limited series. That's yet to be announced, by the way, and that that Marvel Studios is thinking of and planning for second and third seasons of some of our upcoming series. And what was also interesting that as part of, again, his his TCA Winter Tour presentation, Kevin was careful to say, I've been at Marvel too long to say a definite no to anything as far as the second season for WandaVision, which I thought was interesting. But I think that honestly says more about our rapidly changing media landscape and how we consume TV series and feature films. I mean, things like Premium Access of Disney Plus or... they're doing at hbo max where you know movies are in theaters but also on demand Mm. so i think that's really more about kevin's kind of looking down the pike and it's like
1: okay you know in five years is this legitimately how we're
0: going to do a movies
1: i think that's leaning a lot on some old school comic book strategy because we used to have those events where spider-man had his own storyline and a thing Mm. would happen And then you could track that over into an X-Men storyline, and then all of a sudden you track that to an Ant-Man comic book, and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you've got a crossover where everybody joins up in the super ultimate SmackDown triple issue. Hmm. And uh, they do a lot of that where a Spider-Man story Mm -hmm. does not necessarily need to stay in the Spider-Man universe, but for that moment. It can then travel elsewhere and cause mayhem elsewhere, and then... Uh, lo and behold, you can have many people gather together to triumph over that one thread together. And boy, isn't that even more exciting than just the one hero by himself. And uh, I like that. Was
0: part of the thinking here that you know, for example, if you know a starry starts in a Spider-Man book and then goes over to an X-Men book, you know, there's a certain subset of Spider-Man fans who maybe haven't been checking out the X-Men and go over and read a book and enjoy it and, you know, the the next time they go to their comic book store and you know, ask for issues to be pulled that, you know, hey, you know, Yes,
1: here's the thing for me, I was, I always collected the amazing Spider-Man. However, Mm -hmm. what annoyed the ever loving bejesus out of me was a story would start in the amazing Spider-Man and it would travel Mm -hmm. over to Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. And then it would travel from that to just Spider-Man. And I had Mm -hmm. to start buying all of the Spider-Man books, not just my preferred one, Mm-hmm. and um, the thing is, is you had different writers, you had different artists, and sometimes I didn't care for a specific artist on that run at that moment, and I was mm-hmm. like, ah, why? Why must you subject me to this? Why can't you just let me have... And so, yeah, I mean, they, they do a lot of cross-pollination because they do understand that certain people will gravitate towards toward certain characters, and once you have things like inclusion, oh, my mm-hmm. God, such a simple thing, but really, Black Panther, mm-hmm. once he hit the scene all of a sudden like every person who was of color that read a comic book was like that's my dude that's mm-hmm. my dude because he looks like me he represents me that's my dude mm-hmm. then it's like well we got to we got to do this for other people right you know and uh, what about a, what about a woman superhero do you think we can get away with a woman superhero <laughs> let's let's talk about it quietly under our breath so it's not offend anybody uh, yeah let's try it and uh, do a woman superhero and oh it's popular because hey girls like heroes too Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, they understand that they've got to cross-pollinate so people can be introduced to their many, many, many various characters and fall in love with them. And speaking of the many, many,
0: many various characters on our last show, I think Ike was expressing some frustration about the whole Jessica Jones, Daredevil situation, that there were these stories out there that the rights for the Netflix series, or the, the television use of these characters had reverted back to Marvel, but there was never any source. There was never anybody on the record about this. And what was interesting, again, about this TCA Winter Tour thing is Kevin Feige is actually expressing kind of the same frustration. Here's the quote. It's like, look, there's always rumors online about things reverting to Marvel Studios. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's not. My history at Marvel Studios is vast and involves uh, having zero control for a very long time. So I paid more attention to things I actually had control over rather than things I didn't have any control over. TV at that time was one of those things that Marvel Studios didn't have any control over, just like when Fox was making X-Men movies or Sony was making Spider-Man movies without us. That was just the rules that Marvel Studios was operating under at the time. It was much more of an opportunity and something that really excited us when Bob Iger asked us uh, to Marvel Studios to start producing shows for Disney+. Plus. To be honest, I'm not exactly sure what the, the status of those television-related contracts are, but perhaps someday Marvel Studios might do something with Jessica Jones or Luke Cage.
1: Okay, that is an incredibly long answer to say, I don't know. Yep. Okay, and it also reminds me of a lovely little tale that you Mm -hmm. have told about Walt Disney. Mm -hmm. When asked, is there any possibility, Walt, that you could maybe build a theme park in Florida? And he said, why no? Because it's too humid and the water levels too high, the water table's, is. Uh, we got to deal with this and the drainage Ooh. and the, and like went on with about nine years worth of science data and research <sighs> about exactly why he could not no. absolutely not be building in Florida for any reason.
0: <sighs> it just no, kind of has no, that, no, that vibe is, to that it, is right? It- Excellent observation on your part. Yeah, that the the, the too much data response. You know, I
1: I can only focus, Jim, on what I have available to me, not these properties that are in the void. And I'm only the head of Marvel, and I would have no way of finding out when we take back control of our rightful property. And I have no interest. I'm not even going to ask anybody to look it up for me. It's not on a calendar anywhere. We're not making any plans around it. We're not going to pop a bottle of champagne that's been chilling in the fridge with the word Luke Cage on it. No, no, no. Nothing uh, like that. That's,
0: okay. I, I, I think we need to, to group this story in the, what is it? I think thou dost protest too much department. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I just, just to sort of wrap things up here, uh Kevin also talked about the, the Loki limited series, which is still debuting on June 11th. But the interesting thing is he was talking about how things are stacking up right now. And it's like, we have our first animated series. It's called what if we knew that was in the works and he was, Kevin was phoning in, so to speak from the set of Ms. Marvel. And, you know, he talked about, we're also shooting Hawkeye concurrently. And in a few weeks we start She-Hulk and a week or so after that, we start Moon Knight. And this is all in addition to our MCU features, so again, not to belabor the point, but obviously Aaron was right. Maybe we really do need to do a weekly series here but but at the same time, I'm kind of marveling at the notion of all the stories we've heard about the covid protocols, you know, the precautions about shooting, the testing, and the fact that that's at least three, four limited series that are you know either shooting right on top of one another or getting ready to launch production and it's like. Mm-hmm. The fact that they can be this
1: active, that's pretty impressive. I would hope that if they were able to get their act together enough while they didn't have a vaccine, mm-hmm. simply by quarantining for a required amount of time in a specific location, like whether it be a hotel right next to work or whatever, but the but then to be able to go into a studio and work in, you know, a group because it takes more than two people, mm-hmm. you know. Lighting, camera, director, sound guys—I mean, mm-hmm. there's just dozens of people. It goes on and on and on. Okay. So uh, you, you would think that if they're able to figure out a way to film a, a, a little while ago, while COVID was still without a vaccine, now mm-hmm. that one's rolling out, now it's uh, an issue of hey, you got your stamp, cool, come on in, let's get to mm-hmm. work, and you don't have to worry as much. You're able to—I wouldn't say you know—totally relax the, the whatever you've got going on, but. It makes it easier, right? It should. It should. It should. One
0: final thing before we, we, we get to our show break here. And I am I, I apologize in advance because I think at this point, we're not just beating a dead horse.
1: This is dead horse puree. Mm, like mom used to make. I love it. <laughs> mm, but we bring back memories <laughs> of home, Jim. Oh, dead horse puree.
0: <laughs> okay. We have to talk about Black Widow. But here's the thing. We're talking about Black Widow by way of Maya and the Last Dragon, with the the new Disney animated feature just opened this past Friday. But here's the thing. It underperformed at the box office. It only sold $8.6 worth of tickets domestically, which is 41% less in ticket sales for North America than Tom and Jerry grossed the week previous. Evidently, this really concerned folks at Disney. Now, mind you, there's a way to explain this. And it's the fact that the number three cinema chain in the country, Cinemark, mm-hmm. uh, refused to show Maya and the Last Dragon. Because, uh, frankly, the executive there's are ticked off about this whole thing of Disney releasing the movie to theaters on the exact same day that, you know, they make Disney Plus subscribers who are interested in seeing Raya. They can pay $30 and they get premium access to Cinemark's way of thinking this is just a betrayal so they're not showing the movie and it's Cinemark that's also the Harkness theater chain and likewise Canada's Cineplex chain mm-hmm. oh they took the same stance so it meant that for example where Tom and Jerry on its opening weekend was on 2475 screens in North America Maya was only on 2045 screens and and those 430 screens not being available made a difference. And what was frustrating to Disney is he got to a Rotten Tomatoes. This is a film that's got a 95% freshness rating and 85% audience score. Should have been a hit, especially given that this past weekend, for the first time in almost a year, theaters opened in New York and LA. So this is making the folks at Disney nervous, especially since Kevin Feige has dug in his heels, and it's just the effect of, look, Black Widow should be released theatrically. He doesn't want to do Maya. He doesn't want to do, uh, it's in theaters and, you know, available, you know, if you pay $30 on, you know, on Disney Plus. But just today, the CDC issued new guidance that said fully vaccinated people will now be allowed to gather indoors and mingle with other maskless people, which which sounds like that's great. That means that Black Widow can make its May
1: 7th release date and that people will be able to go back to theaters. As long as all of the people that are like ages 90 on down to 70 who've been able to get the shot are down with a Black Widow movie. Come on, Ethel, let's get in the car. It's a matinee of that women spy girl with the red hair. I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, again,
0: this is why I do this show with you You, you,
1: you, you, you can look over the horizon And what's speaking gonna, of looking over wh- hold the horizon Hold on. what's, what's going to end up happening What's going to end up happening, Jim, is mm-hmm. You're right, Kevin's stuck in his heels Yep Black Widow is going to get sacrificed in the theater She's not going to make no money And, uh Oh, wait a minute If you heard that gunshot <laughs> I think our horse puree is ready for round two <laughs> What do you do with the lame horse? You shoot it in the head, right? Yeah, yeah. our puree is ready. <sighs> well,
0: supposedly the concern is that you have nailed the fact that, you know, who's getting these vaccines, but not most of the members of the general public. It's it's the most at risk. It's the elders of our community. And, and frankly, those are folks who don't go to superhero movies. Same thing, though, if you look internationally, there are a lot of countries that, frankly, are bobbling the vaccine distribution. And the fear is that they're not going to be in a position come uh, May 7th to adequately support this movie in theaters, which is why just, you know, we were recording this on Monday and I was talking with somebody on Sunday. And it's like there's talk once again of playing cinema shuffleboard in, in that Black Widow gets pushed to July 9th, which means Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which was supposed to arrive in theaters then, gets pushed off, which then affects the dates of all the MCU films that are supposed to follow Shang-Chi. And to be honest, I don't want to talk about this again. You're tired of hearing it. Aaron and I are tired of reporting on it. Uh, But that's what the Black Widow situation is as of today. Uh, And I'm told that there will be a a decision made over the next week to 10 days. And a lot of that has to do with how Raya does over its second weekend in theaters. So So how about this, Aaron? Let's talk about something else like
1: the last two episodes of Wonder. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you over the blender. You ready for some more (laughs) horse? (laughs) We'll be back shortly.
0: Okay, after a lovely glass of, of pureed horse... You got the chunky kind, it sounds like. I did, yes yes, 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 I did. Okay, so look, everybody knows that WandaVision was a pop phenomenon. A water cooler show in the age where none of us could get into the office because we're working from home. But it's interesting to have some metrics. TV Vision, which is uh, what Variety uses to do rating analysis these days, said that this limited series from Marvel Studios had an indexed audience size of 8127 which means that WandaVision was being viewed 81.3 times more than the average title TV Vision was measuring across the subscription video on demand platforms for January so and this is higher than *Bridgerton* on Netflix, higher than *Soul* on Disney Plus. Uh, those were the number two and number three shows, respectively, in January. And this is January. This is before *WandaVision* became a phenomenon that got so big that, as we were talking earlier, that, that Disney Plus would develop glitches at 4 a.m. East Coast time because there were so many people desperate to download the show to find out what was happening with *WandaVision*. And uh, Agatha. So uh, let's talk about the Paul Bettany cameo story. I'm seeing double, 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 double vision. (laughs) So uh, for those of you who who don't recall the story, uh, uh, Paul Bettany, uh, this was like four weeks ago, five weeks ago, Mm -hmm. began talking about this amazing cameo. Uh, That was going to occur in one of the last episodes of WandaVision. How this there was this actor he really admired that he was really looking forward to working with, somebody he'd never worked with before. And we all lost our minds. We all began speculating who this might be. And you know, there was all this talk about Ian McKellen coming on the show as as Magneto,
1: or it basically became Marvel Mad Libs, Mm -hmm. where we were given a big fat blank. Mm -hmm. Or actually, it's more like the match game. Dumb Dora was so dumb. How (coughs) dumb was she? Dumb Dora was so dumb, she believed that Paul Bettany was going to be playing with blank. (sighs) And we all filled in the blank with whatever the heck we wanted to. And it turned out Paul Bettany was going to play with himself. Good night, everybody. Yeah. So I want to track this back to the origin. And I Mm -hmm. think I know what happened. I want to blame the internet. The internet is a sour, evil, vile, bitter place when mandalorian ended with its season finale and it had its surprise thing with luke skywalker everybody went oh my god that's the coolest thing in the world Mm -hmm. so obviously by association of parent company when someone was interviewing elizabeth olsen about wandavision and the series finale of mandalorian season two had just happened they said well, is there going to be anything like the cameo of Luke Skywalker, anything of that magnitude happening in WandaVision? And what the heck is she going to say? No, nothing cool is going to happen like that in my show. Of course she's got to say, oh, yeah, something massive, something huge will happen. We'll have a most miraculous, almost biblical in proportions, surprise guest. And then you get another person in another interview sometime later, and they're like, hey, any cool cameos? And it's like, yeah, let's play with this rumor. And they magnify it, and they make it bigger and grander. And we all speculate and speculate and speculate. And then we're let down in the end, because it was nothing. And it's like, you know what, guys? If you just would have (laughs) not, I don't know where to go with that. If you just would have not.
0: In the days before the finale dropped, you actually saw Paul Bettany trying to get in front of this and yeah. get, try to frame it as, well, it was a joke, a joke that kind of got out of control. And though the interesting thing is he tried to diffuse the joke by making a joke. I, I don't know if you saw the footage of him on Good Morning America where, you know, as he'd get right up to the point where he was explained who this amazing cameo was – He would pretend that his internet connection was glitching and he would freeze on screen. And, uh, you know, he was so. You've got to admire, you know, how he trolled the GMA team while they were doing this. But me personally, I'm not honestly mad at the guy. I mean, I, I get that it was all initially in good fun. And I just feel kind of bad about all the time all of us put into speculating who this amazing actor might be
1: well there's that but there is like a whole fish market worth of red herrings mm-hmm. that are ended up in one division that were completely pointless that were just meant to make you look in a certain direction. And mm-hmm. the, the really crappy part was, usually when you use misdirection, it's so you can do something nifty while people are looking in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where the magic happens. But they weren't even doing magic at that point. They were just going, look over there. And then uh, nothing, <laughs> just mm-hmm. nothing. And then they go, oh, oh look, look over that way. And you look over to the right now, oh, what's over there? Uh, it's it's absolutely so nothing.
0: Interesting you say this, because the actress who played Dottie, on the show, actually. Uh, did perfect inter- example. Yeah, I mean, because, what, she played a demon on Buffy... And the interesting part is when she showed up on the show, it's like, well, you you wouldn't cast that woman if you weren't, you know, they're going to be doing something significant with her. And so, you know, there were a whole bunch of people waiting for that shoe to drop. And and that shoe resolutely did not drop. In fact, what was so Mm -hmm. funny is that, you know, in this interview, she was talking about, you know, I hope I didn't frustrate the fan and I hope nobody comes by and eggs my house. But I was literally hired to be a red herring.
1: so. Those are some things that, I mean, I want to totally admit to when you get to the end of the show, I was very emotionally involved. It got really dusty in the room and my throat started to close up wiping a little bit of water from my eye. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was really moved by a lot of the writing mm-hmm. uh, between Wanda and Vision towards the end. But I do, I, I do want to curse the writers for all of the BS red herrings because I think if you would have gotten episode one and two and edited them into one single episode because really nothing happens in episode one and very very little happens in episode two so Mm -hmm. you could totally throw away the dinner and not change the story at all it was more about establishing the framework of the sitcom thing which is fine but it it what you said you know it didn't make you laugh Mm -hmm. it wasn't really telling a story at that time what was the point of it really Just, uh, it was just framework and we Mm -hmm. don't really need to see the framework of the house. We're here to see the house. So let's get to the point. So edit one and two together, make it a tighter storytelling there. You're off to a better start. Get rid of all the red herrings. Uh, and you can actually probably tighten up a whole episode's worth of BS there. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, and everything that you've got after that is honest to God, beautiful, wonderful storytelling, that has no qualms about, you know, when you're looking in the rearview mirror reviewing mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. and you go, oh, that should be different, and that should be blah, blah, blah. You know, you don't have any of that. You, it was just pure gold, just pure mm-hmm. gold. All you had to do was edit, use the delete key a little bit more.
0: Now, what do you make
1: of the Evans-Peters thing?
0: I mean, face it, we, we spent almost as much time, you know, that the, the mystery star who was going to appear alongside Paul Bettany, on the whole Pietro thing and, and you know the significance of oh my god he's in this and they made this deliberate choice so this must be the moment where the, the multiverse starts you know that that because you know accidentally we have not the Quicksilver from Avengers Age of Ultron we have the Quicksilver from Fox's X-Men movies and in the end Evans Peter turns out to be Ralph Boner, a a Mm -hmm. resident of Westview who's just under
1: Agatha's spell. So this, we did all of this for a joke. Yeah, so what happens here in the metaphor now? Mm -hmm. We're going to transition from the real world into the metaphor world. Okay. And, uh... There's some executives at Marvel, and Kevin Feige's there, and he's a bully. He's wearing a letter jacket, and he's just mean. He spits on people. Uh, bad guy. And he wears his hair parted to the side, and uh, they go, Hey, hey, Kevin, look over there. Those are a bunch of Fox X-Men movie fans. And he goes, Oh, yeah? Watch this. And he walks right up to them, unzips his pants, and pees on their shoes. Doesn't say a word, just looks them dead in the eye on their shoes. You can see the steam between the two of them. Zips up his pants when he's done. Walks away. Doesn't say a word. That's what happens in the metaphor. That's what he did. To all those fans who love Evan Peters as Quicksilver, he just peed on your shoes and went, I don't care. I don't care what you think. It's not him. Shut up. Go away. Get off my lawn. Loser. (laughs) Disrespectful. (laughs) He spit on you. Spit.
0: Wow. Um... Very That's a apt, and, no, very <laughs> apt. I, you know that I cannot improve that analogy, but at the same time, you mentioned uh, you know how well it was written. And in fact, I, anybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm a big fan of Chekhov's revolver. You know, that if you use something, you have to set something up to pay it off. And I have to admit, I loved how how solid the construction was on the the last episode. How, you know, the the hex signs that were in Agatha's basement Mm -hmm. and her clearly laying out to Wanda, well, you know, honey, you know, you're in my space. You know, I set this up. You know, only I can do magic here. And to have that pay off as well as it did in the final episode, where do we go from here? I mean, for example, we have... Monica Rambeau's uh, scene in the movie theater with the scroll
1: FBI agent. and Okay, so that in, in Marvel language is your after credits button thing where they go, hey, new superhero, would you like to be in more superhero stuff? And they mm-hmm. go, uh-huh. And they go, okay. And that's that.
0: Okay. But again, given our clues here, I was sent here by an old friend of your mother's, he's heard you're grounded, he'd like to meet with you, and then they're pointing up to space. Space so Nick fury, right, oh, absolutely, yeah, sure, okay, all right, now, on the other hand, the scene between memory vision and white vision in the library, totally disregarding the ship of Theseus thing, which by the way, I thought was was wonderfully handled, mm-hmm. you know, I mean that was that that was a, a great way <laughs> of of laying out what was actually going on there, but that moment where memory vision says, well, you do have the data, it's merely hit, being kept from you. As a carbon-based synthoid your memory storage is not as easily wiped. And may I? And, you know, he gestures to the, the White Vision and we just have that moment of I envision and he, he blasts through the, the glass ceiling of the library. But it's like, this is a really interesting point for the story to leave off. I mean, White Vision now has all of the original Vision's memories, but does he also have the original vision's feelings for Wanda.
1: Apparently not, because he just buggered off without even saying goodbye to her. I mean, he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to fight myself anymore. I'm just going to fly away Mm -hmm. to not here. And Mm -hmm. he's gone, and we never see or hear from him again until the next movie where we need him for something and he'll just show up because of clever writing. But, you know, Wanda's off by herself learning how to do magic at the end of the show. Vision's clearly not there at that point. So, no, I don't think he's got too many feelings for her at
0: the moment. That brings me to the other big question here because you know and second and credit season uh scene in in the series finale so we have wanda outside the cabin as a human in gray sweatshirt sweatpants she goes in kettle on the stoves making herself a tea camera moves past her and deeper in the cabin we also have wanda in full scarlet witch garb reading the dark hold
1: do you really think it's the dark hold it was never mentioned as the dark hold specifically was it did, ah. did we read it on the internet? Because if we read it on the internet, I don't think it's accurate because the the uh, front of the Darkhold is different in the other shows.
0: See, now that's the point I'm looking to make here. And that's also, I'll have to go back and, again, I'm old. I, I keep the closed captioning on all the time when I'm watching things on Disney+. Plus. So it, if they mention the, the name Darkhold of Agatha in the, you know, which oh, has got her they- in the base. Did they do it in the subtitles? I want to say yes, but I'll, I'll double check on this. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's okay. the thing. In the TCA Winter Tour thing that Feige did, you know, back in the 26th, he talked about the fact that he didn't really have control at, at, at Marvel Studios over what was going on with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Agents of and which I don't necessarily buy, because you and I have talked
1: about, the
0: times where there were crossovers, in fact, Thor, the Dark World, I want to say they made yeah, a very they, big deal about...
1: They messed know, up London or something and they had to go do repair or whatever after the battle know. and and all that jazz. So, yeah, I mean, you have to do some coordination there for that. It's not like he didn't have no say. Obviously, he's got some, some pull.
0: Yeah, but suddenly Kevin seems to be changing his story. So, again, th- this is a book who got introduced... In the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. world, in the fourth season of the show, episode five. So this doesn't seem to be the same book. And again, I'll have to go back. I'm going to get a, I'll be doing my homework once Aaron and I finish recording here, folks, and go back and look at those scenes to see if they actually do name the Darkhold specifically. Mm-hmm. That's the book that, that Agatha is using. But so overall, Jim, if
1: if you had to grade it, it, would it be a five stars? Or if you're grading an A through E, is it a C? Where where are you put in one division in your overall viewing experience?
0: I genuinely enjoyed this. I really, really did. I want to echo what Catherine Hahn said about this show: the fact that it was a superhero movie that ultimately was about grief. It was also a superhero movie that had a startling number of strong women in it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, there, there was a really a lot to like about this. Mm-hmm. There's an old adage that it, when it comes to entertainment, you can overlook a weak beginning if you have a strong ending. And I, I really felt like. WandaVision ended strong, you know that, sure. that. you and I were talking about how, how touching the moments with the goodbye scene between uh, Vision and Wanda was, and and likewise, Catherine Hunter was just such a hoot as as Agatha. In fact, I'm really, you know, in fact, one of my favorite moments out of the show was just before Wanda turned her into the nosy neighbor. And that whole, you have no idea what you're unleashed, you're gonna need me. And it's like, well, if I do, I'll know where to find you. And then she's like, hey, hon. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, the way no. that she
1: switches is so wonderful. She's a national treasure, should be dipped in bronze, except for the unhealthy side effects of that.
0: Well, that, this is true. But I, mm. I, I wanna mention just one final little bit here that mm. there's a wonderful interview with her in uh, the New York Times. It, it closes out with the, the, the interview flat out asks Catherine will we see more of Agatha Harkness in the Marvel Universe it's just, and Catherine's response is I have no idea Marvel keeps things really really tight and it's just like well is it something you want? You know, and, and if so, I hope you get that opportunity. And she, her response is, oh, me too. I want to. Now that I've had a taste of working with Marvel Studios, I really, really love it. So given where things left off with that moment of Wanda with with the Darkhold or whatever that book is and her looking at the book and and hearing Billy and Timmy, is is this the step off to Doctor Strange and, and the uh, Multiverse of Madness? is the end of WandaVision. So is it Wanda goes off in the the multiverse to find her kids?
1: You know, we've been wrong so many times. I dare not even hazard a guess anymore. It's just like... That's it, exactly!
0: I just, you know, I feel like after the Paul Bettany thing... (laughs) the Evan Peters thing.
1: Sure. It's just, you know... It's like it, you're not even it, playing by it? any sort of rules, Marvel. What the heck?
0: You know, it's like, is there a third part of fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you, or, you know, fool me a third time, I'm a complete moron? Is that the unsaid
1: thing, or what? In my overall review, I do have to agree that it's like not quite five stars. I don't think it's perfect. I think there's a little dead weight. Um, mm-hmm. Way too many red herrings. I mean, just red herring after red herring. But, Jim, is someone knocking at your door right now? Can you answer that real quick, please? Uh, Hang on a sec. Good day to you, sir. My name is Kevin Feige from the Marvelous Rug Company. Now I see you don't have a rug in this room, and if you don't mind my saying so, it surely would tie this room together. Now, if I could just ask you to take two big steps to the left, I will lay out this beautiful rug so you can take a look at it. Wonderful. I call this one Quicksilver. On second thought, if you wouldn't mind standing in the very center of this rug so you can take it in all at once. Okay. Now I'm just gonna bend down here, give a quick tug. (laughs) Why, Mr. Hill, you've fallen down. I certainly hope you didn't hurt yourself. Here, let me help you up and dust you off. We have to get you ready for a very special guest, a certain astrophysicist kind of guy. Oops, did I say astrophysicist? I meant red herring. Oh, Mr. Hill, you've fallen down again. Now, please, get up. Oh, and did you hear that we have a very special cameo coming up in the season finale? Oh, yes, indeedy. The guy we've been watching play the main character of the show this whole time will also be in the show. Good heavens, Mr. Hill. Again, you've fallen down. Please, let me help you up. Well, I must be on my merry way. Again, my name is Kevin Feige from the Marvelous Rug Company. We don't actually sell rugs. Just place them underneath our customers and then yank them out from underneath them. Have a good day, sir. What just happened? Yeah, that's just uh, one too many red herrings, Jim. One too many red herrings.
0: Hmm, okay. I'm, I'm, I could get a choice between herring and dead horse. I, I think I know <laughs> which way I want to go here. Who wants some dinner? <laughs> okay, well... All right, that's going to do it for this week's uh, Marvelous Disney, folks. If you would do Aaron and I a favor and head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show, that would be incredibly helpful. By the way, if you really, really, really enjoy stuff like the, the, the wonderful bit of audio that, that Aaron just put together there, if you could head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful, too. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as, as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. and. For now, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon.